1: Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates Dakota Meckis and Zach Short. This week we welcome Cubs first baseman World Series champion Anthony Rizzo to The Compound. Check it out, subscribe, The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. The Timeline is a Blue Wire Podcast.
0: surgery on his meniscus in March would you expect that he will play in these games or not yes he will I expect he will play yes okay and he wants to play with, and the same with Frank I mean and, and I think that's also exciting for us to get a chance to see you know our team out there competing at full strength
1: Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, I'm actually going to start with a question uh, for you. Uh, In the last month, the Blue Wire Podcast Network has added former NBA player (laughs) Baron Davis onto the uh, Podcast Network and current MLB player Ian Happ. My question is, how much lower on the totem pole do you think that we could get?
2: we were we were already the bottom of the blue wire totem pole There's so we're good
1: then it so hasn't many, affected us at all then
2: it hasn't affected us yet they still keep us on for for sun's content for whatever reason but man it's really it's awesome bd on the on the, on the podcast maybe we can get him on to uh, talk about his relationship with steve nash sometime that would be really fun
1: yeah i tried baiting him on twitter to talk about that uh, Step brothers video but i imagine <laughs> i was thinking about this because that video is hilarious but it's also like 12 or 13 years old, and it's probably kind of embarrassing for him to even watch it at this point. Uh, so I can't imagine he wants to like engage with people talking about that. But I do think he probably has interesting perspective on Steve Nash, being that they were very, very close, and they had some pretty intense battles uh, back in the day. Um, Ian Hap, I don't really know anything about baseball, Uh but people seem to be really excited about Ian Happ, so that makes me excited. I know you know about baseball.
2: <laughs> I don't know about baseball as much as I used to. I mean, I know <laughs> I know who Ian Happ is, obviously, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's just exciting in general. It's exciting to me uh, with Barron, too, because he's not just an investor, but because he believes in the brand enough that he's also going to be doing his own podcast and yeah. getting those voices out there. You know, I, not, I'm not just saying this because I work, you know, as this kind of freelancer for blue wire, but I'm saying it because I really believe it. I think it's super important to give athletes, former athletes, um, these outlets where they don't necessarily have to just go the traditional route and say, run to ESPN, um, that there are different ways for them to connect with their audiences. And, you know, even coming from the perspective as a guy who doesn't necessarily have an athletic bone in my body and being like a stat nerd type person. Um, I think there's ways for, for us and, and for former athletes to kind of come together and see eye to eye, um, on a, on a lot of different perspectives. So it's really exciting for the brand. It's really exciting for us.
1: I think that we saw what could happen when journalists, former athletes, whatever you want to say, work for a gigantic corporate entity like ESPN, when they kind of all in unison spoke out in support Of the bubble, which will be broadcasted on ESPN and takes place at a Disney property, which is all part of their massive, gigantic corporate (laughs) uh, umbrella. So it's nice that Baron Davis, just like you said, has the ability of doing it now. Like you said, he's an investor. I've begun already telling people that he's my boss directly. So <laughs> I, I'm going to continue doing that. I guess God, I, I, hope,
2: I hope Kevin uh, Jones, the actual CEO of Blue Wire, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't choose to check in on how we're doing by listening to this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I don't think he minds. I'm, gonna, I'm talking up the podcast network. I don't know what you're talking. All right. Let's get to Sun stuff. Uh, there's so much uh, to talk about. There's this a week lot. That, That's why we started (laughs) this episode with talking about stuff that only matters to me and you. Uh, No, the biggest thing that came out, and you heard his voice, you heard Robert Sarver's voice refuting this at the beginning of this episode, but the biggest thing that happened this week is it was announced by Shams, so like an actual big report, Kelly Oubre is officially out for the resumption of the season. He will not be playing in Orlando. He will continue to rehab. He plans, this is part of it, he plans on traveling with the team to Orlando to be with the team and to recruit Damian Lillard. That wasn't part of the report, but I assume that's what he's doing. And he will not play. That's that's the biggest thing. So there's obviously, there's a lot to talk about um, with this. My first reaction, obviously, Uh, was disappointed that we didn't get to see Kelly Oubre. I think that was the main thing that uh, I felt. And then immediately anger at Robert Sarver for making such a stupid mistake. But what did you think when you heard the news about Kelly Oubre, Sam?
2: My initial reaction was all about the basketball side of the stuff. I think we'll get into Sarver and and even a little bit about James Jones in a minute. Um, But yeah, my, my initial reaction was just that this is a huge hit for the Phoenix Suns. And It's unfortunate because, you know, just speaking for us, I think the two times at which we were most optimistic this season, uh, the very first game of the season, going and and blowing out the Sacramento Kings by 30 points, and then bam, that momentum is crushed by DeAndre Ayton being suspended for for 25 games. And then fast forward to today, being excited about the season coming back. Yes, it's a one in 10,000 chance to make the playoffs, but theoretically, there's this chance to make the playoffs. More importantly, there's this chance to build positive momentum, having a fully healthy lineup. Playing the Valley Boys lineup, yada, yada, yada. All this stuff we talked about for the past right. two weeks. Fortunately, that's all crushed now. So, you know, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, basketball strategy-wise, there's a bunch of stuff we can talk about. Obviously, this puts uh, a much heavier load on Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, first and right. foremost. Those, those are the guys who become most important now. Those are the guys who we're looking forward to watching.
1: Do, don't you think that it's almost a guarantee that Dario Saric is now going to be starting instead of Cam Johnson? Now, uh, it should be said that um, that's what happened when he went down. There were some games after Kelly Oubre was out, but there has been some time where they reviewed the numbers That they, as they talked about um, James Jones and Monty Williams. They looked at the numbers. They saw the net rating numbers. They realized how big that was, how important it was. It seemed like to me they were looking at that from a team building perspective going forward. Of course, the the season is now resuming, so they're going to be playing again. To me, I think there's no chance that they start Cam Johnson. I talked about it on Twitter. I think the best move would to just be start Cam Johnson. Mikhail Bridges is capable of guarding fours at this point, and and you look at the schedule that that the Suns are they have. They're not playing the Lakers. Like he'll have the ability of guarding just about every four that's put in front of him in that schedule, assuming it stays to the schedule that we've seen. There's been no official schedule that's been released. And I know when we say stuff like that, it happens the next day. So you'll probably see it by the time you're listening to this episode. Uh, But I think that that would be fine. I just think if we're looking forward really to the future and they do plan on keeping a non-traditional four with uh, the two forwards that we like in that starting lineup they should continue to do that and and put some more offensive firepower in there with cam johnson and see how it works what do you think
2: yeah i agree 100 percent. from again from a basketball standpoint i'd really like to unleash cam i've been calling for it all season long and um you know he was he was starting to show some strides there at the end of the season uh, maybe that i can talk about a little bit more later on in this episode the unfortunate thing though is you start cam johnson at power forward and here's what happens Your three best bench players are Aaron Baines, Frank Kaminsky, and Dario Sarge. Right. None of whom can play small forward. Without being cooked. I mean, Dario, you know, as mobile as he is for a four, we know that you can't really play him at small for it even. So it's kind of like, where do the minutes come from? You know, suddenly you're in this situation where what it really does is it exposes the Suns' lack of uh, wing depth, actually, which is kind of ironic because I feel like uh, an area that the Suns fans have been talking about for a while now is why do the Suns keep going after wings? They don't need more wings. This kind of shows (laughs) how important wings are in the NBA in 2020 because... If you believe the future at power forward for the Phoenix Suns is not actually to go out and get a traditional power forward, but to kind of convert Kelly Oubre, convert Cam Johnson, someone right. of that stature into your power forward, uh, then Mikhail Bridges at small forward, Devin Booker at that's not going to cut it. They need more 3 and D prototype kind of guys. You know, the kinds of guys, again, ironically, that they sort of had more of a couple years ago before they let Derek Jones Jr. go and become... Uh, a mm-hmm. role player, a decent role player with the Miami Heat before they let Daniel House go and become a decent role player uh, with the Houston Rockets. They ironically need to find that sort of talent again that they can plug in for depth at a backup shooting guard for Devin Booker and backup small forward now for Mikael Bridges. If right, it's a, if Cam Johnson is going to play heavy minutes at the four.
1: Yeah, and we can assume that he, he probably will be or sort of that interchangeable 3-4 position that both him and Mikael Bridges kind of play. Cam Johnson, of course, not. A net positive defender at this point of his career. So he's going to, he's going to get beat. I think I think regardless, uh, of where you play him, but it is kind of funny when you look at the sort of the depth that the Suns have, if you thought about the original power forward depth, as we, as we sort of contemplated it when the season began, which seems like 10 years ago, but when it began, it was Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky. And now, uh, Most Suns fans want to see Frank Kaminsky at center. I've talked about maybe Dario Saric's best position is at center. Not to say that he's not effective as a power forward. I still think he could be. Uh, Obviously, you guys know how I feel. We talk about it all the time. But it is funny how when you sort of those guys all become centers in your mind, that wing depth completely disappears because if we're just talking about small forward depth then of course they they had kelly uber mikhail bridges and cam johnson but when those guys are all of a sudden become the three and the four mm-hmm. that depth disappears frank kaminsky if he if he's back which i don't think we've heard officially on that no, either we also I'll, I'll, <laughs> haven't. so and, yeah. and
2: after what's happened we shouldn't make any assumptions anymore no
1: yeah exactly frank kaminsky he can play the four i actually think he did a relatively good job at at the four. I know a lot of people think that uh, defensively he's better at the five. To me, he's terrible in both of those positions. So I think <laughs> offensively he's okay at the four or the five, and he'll kind of be okay there. So I hope he is healthy. We get to see a little bit more depth there. But I think an overall sort of big picture on this is the loss of Kelly Oubre makes all of this matter a little bit less, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, that and sucks. It, it Yeah, it really does suck. It's a bummer. But it sets up kind of situations where now you want to evaluate guys for the future. So, you know, we're here's the other reason that I want Cam Johnson to start at the four. Because now, if the games especially don't matter and we're not bringing Dario Saric back anyway, uh, you owe it to Dario to play him some minutes. But I don't want him to play heavy minutes because he's not... A long-term piece for this team going forward. Same with Frank Kaminsky, honestly. I mean, I think yeah. Frank has been a nice piece, but but I don't really know that he's fits the mold that the Suns are going for long-term. Um, and so, you know, to harp back on what I was talking about a minute ago, now if you're going to play Cam Johnson at the four, it kind of puts you in a position where, okay, let's think about the types of players that maybe the Suns can go out and acquire uh, this offseason through free agency, via trade, via the draft, at backup shooting guard or small forward. I think the key there is obviously this team needs depth, but you need that special kind of depth where it's not its not the situation the Suns were in five years ago where they had you know Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench when he was obviously too talented to be a sixth man. You need to bring in depth, but they need to be role players who are okay with being role players. Um, and I think to an extent they have that right now, they just have that at the wrong position. Frank Kaminsky is okay with being a role player. He's not clamoring for a starting spot. He just doesn't fit with this roster positionally. Um, but, you know, if you go out into the draft, you grab a guy like Devin Vassell, who we've talked about before. I mean, that's that's exactly literally what I'm talking about. A 3 and D kind of wing add to that core, uh, kind of continue to modernize what this team looks like in the future with right. a guy who's hopefully OK with taking a bench roll for a couple of years. Or there's a myriad of free agent uh, guys that I could talk about at those positions, too. So now what I'm looking for really is kind of just unfortunately the same thing we've been looking for for years and years at the end of the season um the end of the regular season for the suns which is how can we push this ahead uh, to the future and build on it mm. for next year
1: which is so tiring i know i know <laughs> how it sucks. often has the last now it's eight games but let's say how often has the last 10 games of the season been more about the next season? Than the current season that was actually happening. I mean, it, hey, it, no, I'm sorry. I'm here's one on other it, thing.
2: One other thing that I'll say: it was already going to be almost impossible. Right. Now it's even a little bit more impossible. But I feel compelled to throw out this stat: the net ratings uh, for the, the five best players on the Suns, the five guys who are going to be in that starting lineup. Do you kind of know off the top of your head where they are? Like where those five guys rank in terms of by the numbers? Who was more impactful than who this season?
1: uh do do you have like in order of five like one two three four i've got i've got
2: literally i've got literally the five pulled up of how well how much better the suns played with this guy on the court versus off the court it's on off differentials
1: do you want me to try to guess i guess i'd say go for it i'm gonna try is ricky rubio number one
2: ricky rubio is number one and i'll throw out the numbers too ricky rubio is number one the suns were 10.3 points per 100 possessions better with ricky on the floor
1: Yes, and that is a product of having no backup point guard. 100% is a product
2: of having terrible guard depth.
1: Yes. Uh, I'm guessing that DeAndre Ayton is number two?
2: Uh, Devin Booker is number two. Okay, I was going to say Devin Booker, and I should have said it. Devin Booker is a plus 6.6.
1: And that makes sense, too. Um, For a lot of the season, Aaron Baines was great. Uh, So it's more difficult to to increase your ceiling a lot when you have a comp like a good backup center. Uh, so then I would put DeAndre Ayton, number three.
2: Mikhail Bridges is actually number three. Mm, I should have just guessed. Mikhail that. Bridges plus 5.8 always makes the team better. There you go. That makes
1: a lot of sense. Now, I'm afraid to put DeAndre in here because I struck out twice in a row here. But DeAndre Ayton, number four.
2: <laughs> DeAndre Ayton is number four. DeAndre Ayton okay. plus 4.3.
1: And I'm guessing Cam Johnson.
2: Uh, no, Kelly, Kelly Oubre is number five. Cam Johnson. Oh, you're including
1: uh, Kelly. Okay. Sorry,
2: I was including Kelly. Yeah, I kind of yeah. botched that game right there. Probably yeah. wasn't that fun for the <laughs> listeners at home. Here's my point, though. Ricky's a plus 10. Booker and McHale are a plus six. DeAndre's a plus four. Kelly Oubre was a plus 1.8 this season. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not trying to take away from an obviously talented player and the the third leading scorer on this team. Um, but what it does mean, though, is that Kelly had some obvious weaknesses, Uh, I think his net rating really got exposed this season because as good of a finisher as Kelly is, as good as he is when paired with good playmakers like Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker, when you take those guys off the floor— you know, if Kelly Oubre is averaging one assist per game and is also your leading scorer, he's just not in a position yet at the, this point in his career where you can really say he makes anyone better. He doesn't right. He doesn't make anyone around him better. Um, and so, you know, you have these lineups where you try to make Kelly the number one option if Booker's off the floor, uh, combined with terrible bench depth and Kelly's net rating kind of tanked. It's still going to be super, super, super hard uh, for the Suns to even have any sort of chance of making the playoffs they still need to go like 8-0 and now it just got harder they just lost their third leading scorer I just wanted to point out there are maybe some stats that point to this isn't as catastrophic a loss as yeah. it could be like you know yeah. I think honestly if Ricky Rubio went down right now that would be a way worse loss for the Suns like that would instantly end your season this yeah. has a 99.99% chance of of making all of this meaningless but maybe yeah. there's still a chance
1: If Ricky Rubio went down right now, I would not blame anyone for just not going (laughs) because what's the point uh, at that point? I mean, you're not even kind of building for the future because the main important guys may not even be there and they're probably not going to be the ones playing are probably not going to be here next year. So uh, that would be a disaster. I, I think I do like to picture the, the formula, as I talked about before, was Devin Booker, DeAndre eight, eight Ayton, plus speed. Like The idea of the Wings was that they were fast. They play fast. The bigger they are, generally, the slower they play. And if you take that speed away from that team, it's less interesting. I love the idea of Devin Booker, one of the best transition finishers uh, in the NBA. Mikhail Bridges, actually, close to the top as well. Not as high usage on transition, but gotten a lot better at that using his length and speed and his brain to get to the right angles um, then of course deandre Ayen, and if you put cam johnson out on the wing on that transition i just love picturing a fast break with just getting the ball to ricky rubio as quickly as possible and all five of those guys just sprinting down the court it obviously it may not be as good as kelly Ubri because of his ability to attack the rim but if you can get some threes at a transition with cam johnson i think that would just make the offense a little bit easier in a lot of cases so for sure uh, and, and it, it is this point where the reason I want to see this is because it's more watchable when those five guys are on the floor right if you mix it up and you put Dario Saric in there he's not going to be here next year it's less watchable do, do any of these lineups turn into wins no because the bench is really <laughs> bad like most likely not it's probably not Will yeah. they get a few probably they probably can get a few but the depth is a problem with this team,
2: well, and it just got a little worse. Because yeah, exactly. Because when you had Kelly at, when you had Kelly, you could afford to play Kelly at small forward as well as power forward. Not to mention Cam Johnson. What that did is it bumped up Mikael Bridges to also being able to play backup two, which freed up Devin Booker to also play backup one. Like all of this stuff builds on top of it. It all fits in this kind of puzzle. Um, right. Now that Mikhail Bridges has to spend probably all of his time playing the three, there's no one to back up Devin Booker, which means Devin Booker can't back up Ricky Rubio, which means now either Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio need to play 45 minutes a night each, or mm. Javon Carter, Ty Jerome, or Elia Kobo, one of those three is out there for 15 to 20 minutes a game. There's yeah. just no way to avoid it. And if and those guys we have are out to there, to
1: do a podcast segment about which of those guys should be playing for the hundredth time this year,
2: please don't. No, we're <laughs> no, we're not doing that anymore because we're we're admitting here on this episode that they're just not good enough, and and that conversation is meaningless at this point. It just doesn't yeah. matter.
1: Yeah, at this point, I think the Suns being a part of this is almost unfortunate in a in a way because uh, there's it's hard for them to build on this. Now, does that say that I won't? derive some sort of entertainment or enjoyment out of this. No, I'm, I'm still looking forward to seeing these guys play basketball as long as Mikael Bridges, Devin Booker, DeAndre and are playing. Ricky Rubio as well. I think that we'll find some way to have some fun with this. And, and it still will be nice to see some basketball on my TV again. But I think the chances, as we talked about in our previous two episodes, were already insanely slim and they got a little bit slimmer. One thing I, w- I want to talk about A lot slimmer, I should say. By the way, one thing I want to talk about before I we move on (laughs) from this topic is just how stupid of a mistake it was for Robert Sarver to go on the radio, local radio, and so confidently say that Kelly Ubre is expected to play in the bubble. And the way that he worded it was hilarious because you could hear you guys heard it at the beginning of this episode. I stuck it in at the beginning of this episode. It was on the radio here. I think it's it's probably Gambo. I imagine asks do you expect Kelly Oubre to play? And they pause. He just says, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, (sighs) he's so confident that he's going to play. And why? I don't know. And here's the thing. Some people will say, well, maybe something changed. Yeah, that's why you don't say yes or no. That's the easiest possible thing. You say his rehab's going really well, and we hope that he's available for these games at the end of the season. And you continue to say that until you have confirmed with Kelly Oubre that he's healthy because he went on an interview and said himself that he was not healthy. Like a week later, Robert Sarver said that he was. This was already a confusing display by two people that should be working together, completely not communicating. This was a problem with Kawhi Leonard in the past. Oh, God. Look, it was. (laughs) I think that it's important to understand why it was a problem. Because players do not like to think that the organization is in charge of their health. Now, is it at the same degree as Kawhi Leonard? No. But is it obvious to learn from that Kawhi Leonard situation in the way that you talk about players in the future? Yes, it's easy, avoidable mistake to make. And I want people to look at the way the Brooklyn Nets talk about Kevin Durant's return. Now, Kevin Durant's injury usually has like a 300-ish day turnaround where players are able to return from it. At this point, Kevin Durant is actually the longest, has taken the longest time to recover from this injury without returning to an NBA game. Now, do the Brooklyn Nets say, well, we expect him to play soon? No. They say Kevin Durant's health is in his own hands and we're looking forward to him joining the court once he feels healthy enough to play. That is how you talk about players. And this is why it made me so mad because as soon as it came out that Kelly Oubre was not playing, the conspiracy theories erupted about Kelly Oubre, saying that he's still mad about his free agency, saying that maybe he is healthy and it's reasonable for Robert Sarver uh, to expect him to play. Uh, you know, saying that he just doesn't want to go to Orlando. These are people who, of course, did not see the full report. All of that was unnecessary. If Robert Sarver just kept his stupid mouth shut. And then they were on the same page. And that's why all of this pisses me off. I understand it's a little unreasonable. Like it's not like a massive, massive mistake, but it's a completely unnecessary, avoidable mistake that they just made. And of course, I think it's hilarious that it came from Robert Sarver. Now, there was rumors that James Jones also said that he expected Kelly Oubre to be healthy earlier in the year on a Zoom call that was specifically with reporters. I didn't go looking for that because I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. I don't know that if that's true or not. Uh, if you can find the report, feel free to look for uh, look for it. But I know for a fact that Robert Sarver said it. You can hear the audio clip at the beginning of this episode. Maybe it's a little silly to get upset at this, but it's just the type of thing that I expect a professional organization to get right because it's so easy. And it's just a little disappointing to me that they didn't. No, Is that I,
2: unreasonable? It's not unreasonable. And, and we are the people who scrutinize this team the most. They're They're most under our microscope. Because I'm going to be honest, Mike, I hear what you're saying and I will always basically take a player side over an owner. Even I couldn't really bring myself to care about this though. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's kind of just reflected in the fact that so much of the national audience doesn't really understand why the Suns were invited to the bubble anyway. They're like, "Okay, Kelly's not playing, who cares? It's a contract year for him next year, just let him sit out, rest up and and it doesn't matter." But I hear what you're saying. I mean, it was a stupid mistake. Um, on the part of Robert Sarver, and and I think one of those situations where uh, he's been better for for a little while now, but kind of slipped up with his ego right there, and and, and right. maybe that's all it was. You know, he spoke like a billionaire. He spoke with the the liquid confidence that a billionaire would exude. Um, I when expect talking,
1: him to play. He said,
2: right, when talking about <laughs> the health I think of is one f- of his players.
1: Fa- fairly specifically worded.
2: It was it was a bad mistake. I'm not going to beat him up over this one because the stakes just aren't aren't there for me to do it. Um, but it was a mistake. I, I do agree with you. Um, I will say, though, you know, there were a full two weeks between Sarver's comments and uh, when Shams's tweet about Kelly officially sitting out, uh, when that officially came out. Again, that doesn't excuse Sarver's comment. He should have just, if he didn't know, he should have just said, we don't know, and we'll find out when we know. Um, but a lot can change in two weeks. So, you know, I'm curious. I'd, I'd like to believe that there was some communication, obviously, with Kelly and the training staff and, oh, I'm and sure all, there was. all levels of management in those two weeks.
1: Yeah. I bet a lot of it came down to it's hopeful that he's going to play. It's hopeful that he's going to play. And then Robert Sarver did his billionaire thing on that and said, yes, I expect him to play. <laughs> that's the unreasonableness of a guy who nobody says no to, I think. Uh, but that's, that's just my feeling on that. I don't think it's a major big deal, but I will be watching things like this a little closer to see how they word things in the future to hope that they learn from this unnecessary avoidable mistake. Um, anything else on that before we go to a break here, Sam?
2: that is that's all for me
1: all right we got a lot more to talk yeah about we, got a lot, we got
2: we got we got the right. actual basketball talk out of the way now we got to talk about some the ridiculous logistics the fun yeah. stuff
1: because this basketball stuff not that fun <laughs> not that fun we'll be right back there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners betonline.ag Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, we're back. A lot more to talk about, like I said. First thing, once again, Shamsharania Woj had a week. Shams reported that Kyrie Irving led a call of 80-plus NBA players, including Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, Donovan Mitchell, And several players spoke about not supporting the resumed season due to nationwide unrest from social injustice slash racism. There's been a lot of reported talk about what went down on these calls, what went down in some group chats, apparently, about this. But the gist of it is some players are considering not going to Orlando to the bubble. By the way, Florida, one of the biggest hotspots for the coronavirus in the United States. So just that alone Could be a good reason to not attend. But this has gotten even more involved in that they're worried about this taking away from the cause that so many NBA players support. This is from Woj. One respected NBA player tells me this is a sources in quotes tweet. Once we start playing basketball again, the news will turn from systemic racism to who did what in the game last night. It's a crucial time for us to be able to play and blend that impact to impact what's happening in our communities. So there's two arguments here. One, playing in the bubble will take away from our voice and playing in the bubble will add to our voice and allow us to be a little louder with our messages. I don't think that you and I, Sam, will have the ability of ruling on that one. I'm not sure what will <laughs> be more effective. We don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do think that the idea that some players may not actually go, and it could be star players, we don't know, is kind of the interesting part of the story, right?
2: I think they're well within their right to feel that way. And, and I think it's a little crazy, some of the criticisms that I've seen. Um, you know, another guy who's been outspoken about it this week was Dwight Howard, um, who released a statement saying yeah. that he felt that there were many more players um, who feel this way who haven't spoken up because they feel like they're just kind of supposed to go along with the flow. And we don't know. You know, we don't know what the actual votes look like of who wants to return to the bubble and who doesn't. Um, But, you know, to to the people who are saying that playing in the bubble will amplify the voice, that it gives these players a platform because they're playing basketball and they can use that platform to kind of advance the movement. I mean, I I do disagree with that notion. I would say the most staunch and the most provocative thing that you could possibly do right now if you are a basketball player is to continue to disrupt if you want to advance this message is to continue to disrupt people's sense of normalcy and the way that you could best disrupt that as a basketball player is by not going to the bubble.
1: Yeah, I think that would bring a lot of attention to, to that cause. I think that the NBA, here's what I think about this conversation in general. This conversation, even itself, is bringing a lot of attention to those causes. It's It's forcing people who are covering the nba and basketball to now cover systemic racism in america and i think that's what's important about this almost above all that's why i love what kyrie irving's done and i think kyrie irving can be a bit of a joke sometimes when he when he talks about a, a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah, i mean the whole flat earth thing was embar- like an embarrassment for the there, NBA. there are
2: absolutely players who do the whole activism thing better <laughs> i'll, I'll yeah. say that yeah yeah he's no jalen brown
1: Yes. And, you know, there was a rumor that he suggested in a group chat to start their own league. But is that that crazy? I think like this is this is the point to me. I don't think that that's that crazy of an idea. Maybe it shouldn't be Kyrie Irving that's in charge of it. But the idea of the players taking more charge of their ability to be the product, if you will, and actually being in charge of that, trying to make the money that the owners do not a crazy idea for me. That's not the point. The point is he's doing something. He's giving a voice to people who maybe felt like they did not have a voice in this. And now I'm sure there are a lot of reasons that people are considering not going to Orlando. Maybe some of it is a fear of getting sick or a fear of getting their family sick, uh, like Joe Ingalls has talked about. Maybe some of it is trying to to speak life into your cause as much as possible. And that's great as well. And I think the NBA did a good job in saying that if you don't go, you will not be punished. It's not a breach of contract. It's okay if you have your own reasons for not going. That's okay. Now, whether or not this will actually amount to a significant number of players not attending is another question entirely. Whether it will amount to any players not attending is something that we don't know yet, but we will know soon. So the other part of this news was that the NBA did make an agreement with the Players Association for players to let the NBA know by June 24th, so the day before we record we record our next episode, we'll know if there are any Suns players that are planning on not attending or if there are any players in the NBA that are considering not attending in this. Um, no. It would suck yeah. if it does end up dwindling down to you know, not interesting players, but what a fascinating story it would be for a lot of NBA, if, if any NBA players or a lot of NBA players do sit out for this cause.
2: Not to mention, you and uh, you know, I, I just have to briefly kind of shift us over from the one epidemic of systemic racism to the other epidemic, which is the literal epidemic, uh, that <laughs> by next week in Arizona, the way things are going, uh, who knows if any Suns players will have tested positive by then.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, and the way, and
2: honestly, you know, the crazy thing to me, man, is the way florida's going right now. Like, it had to happen at Disney World because Disney World was the only place that could that could really give them these amenities. But shit, like Florida, the the, the way that the COVID crisis is going down there right now, it just really makes you wish that they could have just pushed all the players into some like cornfield in North Dakota or something where they would have actually been safe because. what's what's insane to me is the employees at disney world are not actually going to be subject to the rules of the bubble they'll have to wear masks and everything but they're not going to be quarantining for three months so if if the crisis gets bad enough in the state of florida and you have those people entering in and out of the bubble every single day i just don't like i'm a little more worried this week than i was last week or two weeks ago about the actual feasibility of of all this working
1: yeah, yes, because you're a rational human being. Uh, that is the right response. I think it's okay to be a little bit worried. I did say the NBA should have waited a little longer to decide here because uh, New Zealand hasn't had any cases and they're not letting, letting right. people in and out of their borders. Imagine... Right. If they could have just gone there and just allowed the NBA players <laughs> to live a relatively normal life I have, in a country that handled this well.
2: Yeah, I have a feeling New Zealand would have charged a pretty penny for that. But like, I, I just don't understand what's so hard about it for the owners to fork over a little bit of extra money. I'm sure there would be plenty of Disney employees who would volunteer to quarantine themselves in right. the bubble in this once in a lifetime unique experience for three months. If you just like gave them double time pay or something. Right. You know, for three months, I mean these are workers how like let's be honest, they're probably working for like 10 or 12 bucks an hour, many of them. they're minimum wage yeah. workers, and and not all of them are, but but many of them are. It wouldn't be that costly for a group of billionaires to kind of put some better procedures into place here uh, and and to mitigate the risk of spread. and I just don't understand why that hasn't happened, but I'm getting more worried about it every week as Florida is literally logging thousands of cases a day now.
1: Yes, it'll be interesting and we'll know soon. But speaking of procedures that are put in place, the rest of what we're going to talk about, I think, in this episode were stories that were practically made for this podcast, Sam. (laughs) What a bizarre week for NBA stories. The NBA released, I believe, 113 specific rules for players and personnel associated with the NBA uh, that will be applied to... Uh, them while they're in the bubble. I'm just going to read some of these rules because I find them a little fascinating here. First of all, uh no caddies in the golf course, no sharing snorkels, no fiddling with mouth guards, which obviously it requires a Steph Curry joke. I'm going to allow you guys to <laughs> fill that one in. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. your own minds. I'm not going <laughs> to go for the easy stuff there. No doubles in table tennis. That's so,
2: another easy one. I know what you're thinking, and neither of us are going to say it.
1: Table. I just will say table tennis allowed doubles is not kind of funny uh this is a weird one players will not be allowed to shower at any of the espn arenas or facilities that means no post-game showers until players are back at their hotels that's just weird i don't know i guess there's I, only
2: a few showers that they would have to share at the facility i don't know this this was a 113 page document that was drafted up yeah <laughs> it's, it's yes. insane uh
1: and then there's an there's another thing that Players will wear a magic band. Now, there's been photos of this. Now, it's a ring that tracks their risk level of being sick. Now, that means that it tracks like their uh, temperature and I think their circulation, things like that. And uh, it's not; it's actually not required. It's an option for players to wear this. And I and I oh, and it's I it's document. really. Is it? Yes, it's an option. It's interesting. Optional. My yeah.
2: favorite take on this one was was that I did dip onto Twitter today, and Kyle Kuzma tweeted something like, "This sounds like a tracking device to me." And then yes. you, you you scan your eyes down a couple of centimeters, and it says "Twitter for iPhone" underneath his tweet, as <laughs> you know, as if he doesn't have a tracking device connected to him at all hours of the day. But
1: yeah, yeah, maybe it's a Bill Gates conspiracy theory.
2: Basically, sounds like it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I assumed. You know, I did. I did kind of laugh and say, "Is this track their location?" Because honestly, that's that's probably even better uh, to understand their risk level of becoming sick. But all of this led to, how are they going to enforce this? And that was the funniest part because they did say that the guidelines say that players can be fined, suspended, or removed from the campus if they break protocols, which obviously is a wide ranging list of potential punishments here purposely to allow the league to have as much control over what happens as possible. And I think that means that uh, as we know, uh, the higher of a star, the bigger of a star it is that breaks the rule, the less likely they are to be kicked out entirely. They're in this to make money after all. And then finally the NBA has put together an anonymous hotline, which has become known as the snitch hotline which allows players to call in and tell on other players who are breaking these rules. That part is fascinating and hilarious and also required obvious Chris Paul jokes.
2: Yeah. Do you think that players would actually use this? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think there are some there there are some guys who have no shame. Anything they can do to win the game, they're going to do to win the game. And Chris Paul's the obvious one, but there's like There's other guys out there that you could probably. Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo would use the Snitch Hotline. No doubt.
1: Absolutely. Uh, LeBron would get somebody else to do it. You
2: think? You think Oh, LeBron would get LeBron would get somebody else to do it. That's perfect, because he really (laughs) would.
1: He wouldn't do it himself, but he would get somebody that's like far enough removed from him uh, that he has plausible deniability because LeBron (laughs) is a marketing genius and he wouldn't allow uh himself to be implicated in any sort of snitch hotline controversy which by the way i hope there is because if 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 this whole thing is going down the way it is first of all i just want to mention this is weird (laughs) like this is super weird it's not normal that we're talking about all of this it's weird it's like a weird i've mentioned it before ever since this all went down it's like a weird dystopian future it's like the hunger games it's we're talking about not allowing these guys to live their lives as normal, and in order to keep other people safe, which is fair, it's a fair thing to ask. Not to mention, most of them are making millions of dollars to do this, so no pity going their way. But it could be a long time for a lot of them, so it's very odd that they they have to uh, follow all of these rules. But I guess it makes sense. It, yeah, you know, but they've got
2: they've got ping pong, man. Just no doubles. They're fine.
1: Ping pong, no doubles. They have video games. They've but got no, video games. No yeah. communal headsets. So if they if they want to <laughs> if they want to chat, if they want to play against their own friends, I think in the bubble, uh, I think I saw something
2: about how they, they can have cards to like play poker or whatever, but they have yeah. to be disposable cards.
1: Yeah, that is not happening. And by the way, if you had to choose the most hilarious rule for Chris Paul to snitch on, it would be because a player uses a pack of cards more than once. And that would be something that Chris Paul would snitch on. It's not like that's something that's completely... It's the tucking your jersey in of COVID rules, if you will. It's as inconsequential as that, but it's still something that he would do. So if I had to choose anyone doing anything, it would be Chris Paul... Uh, calling about, I don't know, James Harden. I, I had to say James Harden. I'm not sure who's in the same hotel as Chris Paul, but uh, calling and saying that he used the same pack of cards twice. But speaking of hotels. Yes. We're finally going to get to this. Oh,
2: thank God. We needed to talk about this.
1: We're finally going to get to this. <laughs> the Suns are playing or staying at the yacht club.
2: The yacht club.
1: It sounds cool. The luxurious really yacht cool. club. It is Until pretty y- cool. Until you hear the the names of the other hotels, <laughs> the the NBA is allowing players or, or they're they're distributing players. I'm not sure the best wording for this. Based on seeding in the playoffs, and that determines where they're staying. So what hotel they're staying in, which is the funniest possible way of doing. It's it's almost like it's. It's like a comedy writer wrote it. Like it's it doesn't genius. Even feel real. it's, it's really
2: it's, genius.
1: It's made for Twitter. Like it's it's like it's like it's like Adam Silver was just scrolling up and down his timeline on Twitter. He's like, what can we do that can make people laugh the most about <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah.
2: Yeah. But and also kind of has some logical base in it. Like there should be some sure. hey, you you took away the home court advantage. Here's your home court advantage. Some people get to stay at the grand dis- what is it? What the fuck is it even called? The Grand Destino. Destino. The yeah. Grand Destino. And the
1: Grand Floridian.
2: Yeah, and the Grand Floridian. So the Grand Destino is a luxury, what is it, a resort? Is that is that the official yeah, word? Yeah, they all are, I guess. Yeah, But the Grand Floridian is a five-star, and the Yacht Club is a four-star. <laughs> the way I've heard it is I think the Yacht Club is essentially a holiday inn with a fancier pool and, like, several hundred extra dollars <laughs> per night.
1: So here's the three hotels, the Grand Acino, which is the top tier hotel, Bucks, Lakers, Raptors, Clippers, Celtics, Nuggets, Jazz, and Heat. Here's what I'll, the one thing I'll say about that. You said it makes sense. The one part that doesn't make sense is these are the teams that are going to be the most competitive with each other, and they're all staying together. They're all in the same hotel. That's it's just a little weird for me. The communal spaces where NBA players are allowed to hang out are being shared by the teams that are going to be the most competitive with each other in in all of these ways. The Grand Floridian is the number two. Thunder, 76ers, Rockets, Pacers, Mavericks, Nets, Grizzlies, Magic, that to me, it's got the Rockets, it's got the 76ers, this one, and it's got Chris Paul. This one is the most likely one to have the most rule-breaking that's actually caught by the league, the Grand Floridian. And then finally, the, the glorious Yacht Club, Blazers, Kings, Pelicans, Spurs, Suns, and Wizards, which are the teams that are trying to make the playoffs, uh, which is kind of fascinating. They're all the teams that are out of the playoffs right now, which means they're the most competitive with each other, which means probably the coldest interactions at the beginning, the most fun at the end. The Yacht Club, maybe not the nicest hotel But definitely the place with with the best parties, I think. It's going to be the most fun. These guys are all going to be a little disconnected from reality about halfway through this
2: bubble. (laughs) Yeah, and and, and they're going to be pretty carefree. Supposedly, you can't hang out in your room. Like, if you can hang out with players of the other teams, but it needs to be outside or with proper uh, distancing or whatever. Uh, Who knows? (laughs) That might all go out the window pretty fast. I will say, should I bring this up? Yeah. I, I looked up some... TripAdvisor reviews of the Yacht Club, <laughs> and I, I want to be clear, it's got pretty good reviews, and and you know how TripAdvisor is, you know how Yelp is, you know how those those sites are. Right. Some people are Karens, they'll mm-hmm. complain about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yacht Club has a four and a half rating out of five yeah. stars, so yeah. this, this is by no means are the Suns toiling in some forsaken zone, <laughs> but... I had I had to scan through. I had to filter by the worst reviews I could find, and I just want to read a couple of them mm-hmm. because it's funny. First of all, I need to stress this place. If any of the suns out there, if any of the players uh, like swimming, the pool is lovely. Supposedly, everyone kind of gloats about how nice the yacht club's pool is, and, and that I'm guessing makes sense. they're not
1: going to be allowed in there.
2: No, I think I saw that they're allowed to swim. I thought oh, that was one of the rules. I that think sounds like are. a bad idea. I don't. I well, I, right. I don't know. It's it's so spacious. I mean, I think they can uh, spread out. Um, okay. I have no idea how COVID spreads in water, <laughs> it spreads more <laughs> readily. Um,
1: I imagine they haven't studied that yet.
2: Well, anyway, a, a guy named Jason Sweetman, first of all, he says, here's one thing you got to worry about. He says, quote, Cock- cockroach. cockroaches galore. With only oh no. alternative to routinely spray chemicals in the room during the stay. Easy access to parks and such, but not worth the health risk, which I thought was a little ironic given the whole reason we're quarantining <laughs> these players in the first place. But here, by far, and there were people who complained about other stuff too overly well done stakes, poor service. Oh no. Uh I have a feeling the poor service won't be as bad if if you're catering to NBA players. Usually I get I it's guess it's gonna they'd be
1: bad. Be, you know, Trevor Reeves is in this think, building, so Yeah, it could be. I well I yeah. think
2: it's more likely the NBA players abuse the the wait staff than the other way around, quite honestly, in this <laughs> in this situation. But my overall favorite review coming out of the yacht club just comes with this four word subject title Public Urination Okay here. <laughs> And the review reads as this. It says, to be fair, like I said, guys, everyone loves the pool. He starts, to be fair, the pool is awesome, as is the access to Hollywood Studios. Aside from that, skip it. The price, ridiculous. And on our second night, while my five-year-old daughter and I were watching fireworks from our balcony, some drunk guy urinates from off his balcony one room above us. I notified the staff, who did little to nothing. We were given $100 off our room. That sounds like something to me. Yeah, they say we were given $100 off our room and told quote <laughs> we all do things that we regret sometimes <laughs> I would think a resort which caters to families would do more to protect 6 year old girls from lewd acts oh, end no. quote. I love the Yacht Club I love that oh, the no. NBA is returning what,
1: what? Uh, first of all the next time I stay at a hotel I know how I'm getting $100 off the room <laughs> The person across the balcony from me is peeing off their balcony. Whether or not they do it, they did it. Now, the first and obvious question: Blazers, Kings, Pelicans, Spurs, Suns, Wizards. Which of these players on these teams is most likely to To urinate off of their balcony? Oh,
2: it's it's definitely one of the like foreign white big man. Like that has (laughs) like that has Aaron. Honestly, that has Aaron Baines written all over it. (laughs) Well <laughs> Or yeah. like a Yusuf Nurkic or something.
1: In Australia, that's just peeing, right? That's like Yeah. I guess it's allowed at the Yacht Club too. I my first thought was Hassan Whiteside. I, I don't know. It's just I guess that was my first thought. It seems like something he would do. But maybe you're right. <laughs> maybe it's Aaron Paynes. <laughs> Public urination is okay there. Maybe they should put that on the sign out front. The other thing that could be happening in this yacht club or the Grand Floridian or the Grand Destino, collusion. Will there be collusion? Will there be players talking about potentially teaming up in the future? And who should the Suns be trying to collude with? Now, the biggest risk is that people are telling Devin Booker, hey, man, uh, you should get off the Suns. Your owner is on the radio telling people that players are healthy when they're not actually healthy. That's crazy. But the obvious one is Damian Lillard, right? That's, that's the well, obvious one. That's the one that you would want Devin Booker being like, hey, look, I like Ricky Rubio, man. But, hey, you got me to be an all-star. You selected 100%. me
2: to 100%. be an all-star.
1: Uh, you know, anyone else?
2: Yeah. Well, so I was going to say the funny thing about the Yacht Club specifically is there's this kind of love triangle that I think is going to go on of Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal. And all, all three guys are going to point at the other guys and say, hey, what what are you doing? You know, you know, like, what are you doing on that team that you're still on? There's going to be mass collusion. But those are the three. Those are the big guys that if you could pair any of those two together. I mean, if let's be real, you know, yeah, Ricky Rubio is great. But with Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard as Devin oh Booker's God. backcourt partner, either one yeah. of those guys. Yeah, You know, Booker, Booker's just got to hope that he can convince one of those guys to potentially somehow come to Phoenix, which would be hard given, I think, Lillard is signed for like the next five years. But he needs to get one of those guys to come to Phoenix before they pair up together.
1: Yes, <laughs> absolutely, 100%. I just picture CJ McCollum just sort of brooding in <laughs> yes. the background as they talk. And this is why I think it's good that Kelly Uber is there, right? We need him. Uh, he's the cool guy. He's the one. Uh, that hangs out with models and goes to fashion shows and stuff. He's the one that we need to be recruiting these guys. Now, maybe he doesn't have a long-term future on the Suns. We don't actually know. But he's here now. He seems to like Phoenix. I just hope that they, they have like up-to-date photos. Or maybe Robert Sarver will, will record a new video in the uh, practice facility again. Uh, but I hope they have actual footage of that practice facility so that he could be like, hey, Damien, check this out. This is our new facilities. Look at that. Uh, you know, There's a pool table. Uh, no there's doubles and ping pong.
2: <laughs> you can play doubles.
1: We can play doubles there. Yeah, there's no rules. It's Arizona. You can do anything you want. Uh, they just pretend like it doesn't exist. The disease doesn't exist here. Uh, but yeah, that's the Yacht Club. Very, 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 very funny way. Of divvying out the hotels and shout out to the NBA for doing that because that's a lot of fun to talk about. Even if I do find it weird and odd and a little off putting. Do you have any other thoughts on the Grand Destino, Grand Floridian well, Yacht Club?
2: It's not just collusion on a mass scale, but I guess I want to quickly talk about collusion on a small scale too. Here's do you wanna here's a list. Of just kind of the best available impending free agents who are also staying in the lock uh the yacht club. Guys who Ooh. are gonna be free agents in two months that, you know, you could call over and, and say, hey, what do you think of Phoenix? Um unfortunately it's not a great list. Just like any list related to free agency this year isn't a great list. But right, here's the names right. I came up with. Bogdan Bogdanovich, yeah. Stay in there. <laughs> Davis Bertans, that's a big yes. one in, in yeah. my book. That's a huge one. Uh Derek Favors, uh, I put Aaron Baines on the list, but I mean duh uh Hassan yeah. whiteside bryn forbes shabazz napier carmelo anthony if you oh, wanted to no. go that route you can no quickly big. see how the the quality of players is dwindling there but really yeah. those top couple guys bogdan's a, a restricted free agent i think Sacramento's going to do everything in their power to keep him
1: yeah if anything you have a better chance recruiting buddy hill because he might actually honestly yeah.
2: honestly yeah uh davis though i was going to say bertans uh, just kind of shot at my list. I I already in in all seriousness, he shot at my list. Like I already liked Bertans yeah. as a free agent target for the Suns this year. Right, he's right. he's a phenomenal shooter. Um he one averaged one of the best uh, in the NBA. One of the best in the he he shot 9 three-point attempts per game uh this season at a at a 42% clip. The, the things that he could do for your spacing, especially you pair him with, say you've run lineups with Cam Johnson at the three, Davis Pertons at the four, you're not going to stop anyone defensively, but oh my God, that's that's going to give you the best gravity in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, he really did just shoot up my list in terms of guys that the Suns could feasibly get. I think there's going to be a lot of teams interested in him because of mm-hmm. the weak free agent class that it is. But mm-hmm. hey, you ha- now you have an actual uh, opportunity to maybe kind of make a relationship with this guy, not shake his hand because that wouldn't be proper distancing. But uh, you know, talk talk to him a little bit behind the scenes and, and collude.
1: Yeah, just shake his hand. Just make sure Chris Paul can't see you uh, <laughs> while you're doing it, and you'll be okay. I think There's not. I don't. I look at the list of Blazers, Kings, Pelicans, Spurs, Suns, Wizards. I don't see a lot of snitches there. I think you'll be all right. Like I said, I think this will be the most fun of all the hotels. But that'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. It seems like the news of the NBA is coming out at a pace that will allow us to continue to record podcasts on a regular basis. Once again, we appreciate appreciate everybody for listening. I am going to put a link to a survey, an audience survey, in the description of this podcast episode. It takes about a minute, less than a minute, when I filled it out. I'd appreciate it if all of you clicked on that survey, filled it out real quick. Just let us know a little bit about you. That helps our advertisers to know a little bit about you as well, which will make the ads a little more relevant to you, assuming that you actually listen to them. Once again, we appreciate everybody for listening. Sam, you got anything else before we go here? Uh, you can
2: also leave personalized little notes uh, in, in that survey. Uh, if you but want, only Mike, if you tweet them at us. Only if you tweet them at us. If you want Mike to read more more penis ads, go for it. That's 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 great. We're just um, selling or,
1: penises uh, in the future. It's not even pills. Just
2: brand new penis, penis pills. pills. I knew I fucked that up somehow. <laughs> penis pills. That's what I meant to say. Thank you, Mike. Um, if you want to leave any sort of other messages, we've got a few already, and, and some of them are really fun. It's so, like like yep. Mike said, go and check that out. It only takes a minute of your time. Till next week. Uh, thank
0: you guys. That's all. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. I expect you to applaud. Yeah. yes I expect you yes. to applaud. Yeah. Yeah. I expect you to applaud. Yeah. this I expect you to applaud. yes And I think that's all. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I expect to You know, our team out there, Yep, yes. I expect he will forward. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.